0: hello friends welcome to another devo this is day three of our series and the passion week or the holy week as we as christ followers call it this is a a series essentially put on by bic canada being christ church of canada Uh, If you want to know more about them or see these devotionals and some amazing artwork that goes along with them, uh, you can click onto a link that's on the website. But just Google uh, Be in Christ Church of Canada or Be in Christ Canada uh, Church and you will find their national website to, to look up these devos. Um, But what I'm doing is I'm unpacking these devos that have been written by several of our own pastors and own church leaders in our denomination. And so today I'm looking at day three and I'm looking at this devotional that's been written by Carmen Bachma, Carmen Bachma. And she's with the Meeting House in Oakville, the Meeting House in Oakville, one of our pastors there. And so I'm gonna, in just a few moments, read her reflection, read her devotion, and some things that she has for us to contemplate and think on. Uh, But as I read this, I'm gonna be reading from Matthew chapter 26. Uh, I just want to encourage you, you might want to, as we read this or as you look up the scripture and read the scripture, you might want to highlight certain words or underline certain words, might want to put a question mark or an asterisk or an exclamation mark beside something that stands out to you, might want to journal a phrase or a word and, and just uh, reflect on that time as well. So kind of put yourself into the scripture. Don't just read it for the sake of reading it or listen to it for the sake of listening to it, but try to allow it to really impact you and, uh, and be a part of you essentially to, to ultimately change you, um, make you different. So Matthew chapter 26, we're in Matthew chapter 26 and we're starting at verse 47. I'm reading from the New International Version. There's all kinds of versions that you can uh, be reading from. But that's the one I'm reading from today, and it's entitled this. It says, Jesus arrested, Jesus arrested, starting at verse 47. It says, while he was still speaking, he being Jesus, while Jesus was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12 arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer, Judas, had arranged a signal with them, the one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, friend, do what you came for. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my Father and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowd, am I leading a rebellion? That you have come out here with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sit or sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me there. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted Jesus and fled the scene. Carmen says this in her reflection. She says, This is part of the crucifixion story that always leaves me with a bubbled up sense of injustice in my chest. It's it's only the beginning of the horrific torture Jesus is about to endure. But there's just something about reading the account of this betrayal that leaves me wanting to shout out loud, but it's not fair. One of Jesus' closest companions turns on him, which seemingly is what begins the path towards his death. And knowing the pre-planned selfish intentions of Judas make this portion of the story hard to endure. Perhaps this is because we know what it leads to, We know the story and the suffering that Jesus is about to endure. And it begins with this betrayal. There is a heaviness, a sadness to the choice of Judas, the one who followed Jesus as a disciple. There may be a personal sense of betrayal as you notice your own feelings as you read. There can be a sense of deep emotion, picturing the scene that is unfolding, a mob with weapons on a dark night the increasing loneliness Jesus must have been sensing, the confusion and shock of his his own disciples watching, one of their own on the other side. What feelings and thoughts rise up for you as you read this? This passage can be heavy. However, as we take time to reflect on this portion of scripture today, I invite us to notice something else, the character of Jesus. Through these ten verses, we see the beginning of the injustice and suffering Jesus will endure and right along with it. The attributes of the one who walked to the cross for us come through. There is an, and yet, invitation through each of these verses. Judas, with intention, betrays Jesus, and yet Jesus calls him friend. There are rash, impulsive acts of violent protection and yet Jesus gently models peace. There is a mob of people heightened with anticipation, violence, and accusation, and yet Jesus submits to the plan that was set before him. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he continued to be obedient to his Father, modeled peace and gentleness, and exuded love to all of those in the crowd this is the jesus who went to the cross for you and this is the jesus who in relationship with you still invites into invites you into the and yet parts of your own life carmen goes on to give us these uh contemplation thoughts or points So point number one is this. She says, think about times when you have felt anxious alone, overcome by loss, in anguish over suffering or injustice. Jesus experienced anxiety and distress, not only to some vague degree, but profoundly. What does it mean to you to know that he felt what it meant to be overwhelmed? Her second reflection or contemplation is this. She asks us to reflect on the idea that Jesus prayed for a different path. Where in your life do you need to be honest with God about what you want, still accepting his sovereignty? In other words, where is it in your life that you have to lay down your will and essentially say this phrase, not my will be done, but your will be done, God. And that's a tough thing for us to do. Uh, The third thing she asks us to contemplate is this. She says, In what relationship or situation is God calling you to lay down your power and control to demonstrate this kind of love? Let me just close with this prayer. She says, Father, thank you for the gift of Gethsemane, for making these intense moments of tension, pain, and struggle a part of your story, for letting us know that you do know. As we live out this season of pandemic, as we feel so many things so very deeply, help us to trust in your will, understand your heart, experience your comfort, give us the resolve each day to lay down what power we do have for the love of those around us, amen. God bless, if anyone needs anything, please don't hesitate to Reach out and give me a phone call or message me on Facebook or email. Hope you're all staying safe. Have a great rest of your day. God bless.